This morning's reading comes from Psalm 77, as you've already um, heard part of it. Reading from verses 1 and 2 and 11 to 20. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out my unti- I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. And from verse eleven onwards, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God? is so great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Fifteen years ago, my wife and I were preparing to move house. Um, We needed 12 months to actually get rid of things that we didn't need, and it was a good exercise. By this time, I'd collected about 900 sermons, And I thought, well, I'm not going to take them with me because I probably won't preach again. (laughs) Well, um, at a conference I met a a young man who had just finished theological college and I asked him if he'd like some sermons. Oh, yes, I would, he said. So I picked out my very best and I sent them off to him and I saw him uh, some months later and um, he said, oh, they're very biblical um, you know, the inspirational, you know, magnificent, no, he didn't say magnificent, but um, anyway, it, it was when uh, um, I was uh, thinking about, well, I was asked to preach and uh, I wanted to use a, a sermon on the Lord's Prayer, so I rang this uh, fellow and asked uh, if he could find that particular sermon. And he said he couldn't find it, which meant that probably all those good sermons had been destroyed. So I'm sorry, but uh, I have to give you today a second rate, one that didn't make the bundle. (laughs) No, this is not true. Um, The first part is true, but it's often uh, one of the difficult parts, unless you follow the lectionary in what to preach on and uh, new beginnings has a sort of a, become a bit of a theme in, in my life uh, because some years ago at the Enfield Baptist Church 
where I was associate pastor for seven years, uh, the church decided to open an op shop. They needed three things. First of all, they needed a property in which to operate from. That was easy because the church at Enfield uh, owned a house on the corner that was deteriorating. Uh, It was no longer lived in, but it was able to be used for the op shop. The next thing they needed, and this is probably the most difficult, is to have volunteers. Uh, Who's going to help us? Well, they found volunteers. And the third thing, of course, was what should we call the op shop? So uh, it was uncertain, so they decided that uh, they'd have a competition with a reward for the best suggestion. I'm not quite sure what those names were, but it might have been... um, Finding Treasures, Second Chance, Thrift City, Stop and Shop, Bargains bargains Galore or Pre-Loved Centre. Well, the winning uh, entry was New Beginnings, an apt title for recycling second-hand goods and no longer wanted household items. I can't remember what the reward was. I think it might have been something like the first choice of any item on the opening day. (laughs) Well, for all the good that they do, uh, and I read that 15% of uh, things that people give to op shops, 15% is actually finally used, the rest uh, sent overseas or dumped somewhere. Unfortunately, today, op shops become a a dumping ground for lots of rubbish. Well, the beginning of a a new year holds a special significance for many of us. You know, our our hearts are stirred with the anticipation of, of hope for the journey that lies ahead. Together, we stand on the precipice of a new year, a year brimming with new beginnings, fresh opportunities and divine possibilities. The theme of new beginnings, and this could be used at any time in the year really, because we're always, every new day is a new beginning in their life. But the theme of new beginnings speaks volumes about our faith, our resilience and our collective growth or our collective commitment to growth. It isn't just a reflection of the calendar turning the page, but it's a spiritual calling, a a beckoning to embrace the transformative power of God's grace as we navigate those uncharted waters of the future. The passages of scripture are full of stories of renewal, restoration and fresh starts. And I started to think uh, through the Bible, the number of people that you know, had that new start, all the disciples uh, and then in the Old Testament, there are so many, many of them. Our God is the God of new chapters inviting us to participate in his unfolding story. 
So what does it mean for us to embrace 2024? Firstly, I believe it offers us an opportunity to reflect on the past, to reflect on what's behind us. We can consider the uh, lessons learned, uh, the challenges faced, the growth that we experienced. We can think of the highs and the lows, the moments of grace and the experiences which shaped our souls. Reflection allows us to carry the wisdom that we've gained and the gratitude that we have for the past into the new year and identify areas where growth and change are needed. Reflection, very important part of beginning the new process. Secondly, New beginnings invite us to let go of the past. We often carry the weight of past hurts, regrets or even the comfort of familiar patterns that inhibit our progress. Letting go is an act of faith, a relinquishing of the old to make room for the new. It's not forgetting the past, but releasing its hold on our present and our future. So there's reflection, there's a letting go, and it also demands from us the courage to step into the unknown. The unknown can be intimidating, yet it's in these uncharted territories that faith blossoms. We are called to face uncertainty with boldness, knowing that our faith is not in our abilities, but in the one who holds our tomorrows. Our faith reminds us that God is ever-present guiding, comforting and supporting us through every step we take. His promise of new beginnings is not just a concept but a reality to be experienced every day. So let's back this up with some Bible verses. Consider Psalm 77 which Reread a moment ago. Psalm 77 is a poignant expression of the psalmist wrestling with his doubts and his fears. He cries out in distress. His soul refuses to be comforted. He writes, he groans. His spirit grows faint. And this is followed by a powerful shift towards remembering God's faithfulness. The verse in question, Psalm 77 verse 11, encapsulates this turning point beautifully. The psalmist in the earlier verses, as I've mentioned, voices his distress and questions whether God has abandoned him. Will the Lord reject me forever? He questions 
Will he never show his favour again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Then in verse 11, there's a deliberate change in perspective. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I'll remember your miracles of long ago. Referring, of course, to the bondage that the people went through in Egypt and their rescue, uh, that stunning rescue by being led through the Red Sea. Here the psalmist resolves to focus on God's past faithfulness. Remembering isn't just a, a, a passive recollection, but it, it's an internal act, intentional act. The, char- the psalmist chooses to recall the mighty works of God throughout history. The wonders, the deliverances, the interventions that characterised God's interaction with his people. And this deliberate act of remembrance serves multiple purposes. First of all, it's a source of strength. As we reflect on what God has done for us in the past, it's a source of strength and encouragement during our trying times. It's a reminder that the same God who powerfully helped us in the past is with us today and can help us now and in coming circumstances. So it's a source of strength and it's also an anchor of faith. Remembering God's faithfulness serves as an anchor of faith. It can hold us, it can keep us, it can help us from drifting to faithlessness. It reassures believers that even in moments of doubt or distress, the same God who acted powerfully in the past is present and active in our present circumstances. So it's a source of strength, an anchor of faith, remembering how God has been faithful in the past. And it's also a shift in perspective, remembering faith, remembering shifts, the focus from personal struggles to God's sovereignty and power. It helps us to move our thinking. It helps us to reframe the situation, placing God at the centre rather than the the difficulties being faced. Some years ago I I developed in a little memo book um, verses of scripture which I, I placed which are all verses about encouragement and I've called it my hope book and it was um, what I felt was uh, something of value that I, I shared some of those pages um, with Elizabeth uh, a week ago while she was still conscious and this, in the Psalms there, there are so many verses that, that are of encouragement you know, that are so positive, they're worth writing down and at those, at those uh, moments of uh, 
perhaps deep grief, we can meditate and reflect on God's faithfulness. Sometimes I put in there also just other things that I've read in uh, literature which are of help, for instance, looking at a, a difficult situation, ask the question, is there a more positive, realistic way of looking at this situation? It's a good question. But Psalm 77 ultimately encourages believers to consciously choose to recall and meditate on God's works, allowing these memories to shape their present perspective and fortify their faith, even in the uncertainty of trials. And the other Biblical illustration is on Isaiah chapter 43, 18 to 19. And the prophet Isaiah says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Seen in the larger context of the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah addresses a nation, the nation of Israel, when they are now in exile in Babylon. They see no future, no hope. And Isaiah brings this stirring, stirring message. Through the prophet, God reassures and comforts his people, promising deliverance and restoration despite their current struggles and hardships. He reminds them again of God's faithfulness in the past, emphasising again how he delivered them from the bondage of Egypt and made a way through the Red Sea. However, God urges them not not to dwell solely on the past victories, but to focus on what he is about to do, something new and unprecedented. The exiles must not have a fixation on past events, but be open and attentive to the new work that God is about to accomplish. They must, with courage, embrace God's fresh intervention, acknowledge his power to create the circumstances and pathways, even in seemingly impossible situations. Let go of the past and be attentive to the new things God is doing. Embrace what God is about to do was the message of Isaiah and the message for us. Don't forget the transformative power of God reminding you that he is constantly at work 
creating pathways even in the most barren of places. Whilst the scriptures originally directed to the Israelites in the context of their exile, it has a universal application. Reminding believers that God has the ability to bring about renewal, hope and transformation in our our lives, irrespective of our circumstances. The second um, passage is in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. The book of Philippians was penned by the Apostle Paul whilst in prison. And it reiterates the actions of pressing forward in faith, embracing the concept of new beginnings with God. Brothers and sisters, he writes, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Here Paul, as I've said, writes from prison, stating his very deep commitment to Christ. He knows he hasn't reached perfection, but he humbly admits that there's a continuous journey of growth and transformation ahead. That phrase that Paul uses, forgetting what is behind, doesn't imply erasing memories but rather letting go of anything which hinders your progress. I guess it's something like these people that are riding bikes in 35 degree heat, you have to forget what you've achieved and, and press on to the winning post, even if it means climbing Wollonga Hill. Paul was a former persecutor of Christians and he understood the weight of his past. But he emphasises the release of burdens, the release of guilts, the release of regrets or achievements that might have made him a captive. And this act of releasing allows fully us to fully embrace God's grace and move forward unencumbered by past mistakes and achievements. And Paul continues and directs his focus towards the future. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This forward-looking attitude highlights a very deliberate and persistent pursuit pursuit of Christ-likeness. The goal that Paul refers to isn't merely an earthly achievement but the ultimate prize of eternal life with Christ. It's an invitation to embrace that transformative grace and power of God, leaving behind anything that might hinder our progress and actively striving toward a deeper commitment to Christ. So here here is Paul's roadmap for our spiritual journey, a reminder to let go of the past and things that might 
hinder our progress and press on toward the divine calling that awaits us to embrace the continuous process of growth and new beginnings that God unfolds in our lives. And isn't this illustration from night isn't this illustrated in nature itself? We can think of the butterfly metamorphosis from a caterpillar. Different stages, an egg, larva, an ugly looking caterpillar, the chrysalis hanging on a tree, branch or wherever, and finally out emerges the monarch butterfly. The story begins, as we know, with a very hungry caterpillar hatching from an egg. The caterpillar, or what is more scientifically termed a larva, a stem stuffs itself with leaves, growing plumper and longer through a series of molts in which it sheds its skin. And one day the caterpillar stops eating, hangs upside down from a twig or leaf and spins itself into a silky cocoon or molts into a shiny chrysalis. Within its protective casing, the caterpillar radically transforms its body, eventually emerging as a butterfly or moth. Funny that through these stages, the butterfly, if I could think, uh, appears to be at the end of the road, crawling on the ground, seemingly limited in scope, but then passes through this miraculous process, entering a cocoon. Inside, a profound change occurs, and from that cocoon emerges a beautiful butterfly soaring freely in the sky. New beginnings highlight how in our lives, moments of cocooning, reflection, and change can lead to beautiful transformations and new possibilities. Or we could think, couldn't we, of the breaking dawn. The darkest hours, we are told, are just before dawn, when suddenly the sky gives way to the gentle light of the rising sun. In those moments before dawn, the night seems to be at its darkest. But with the first rays of light, a new day begins and a fresh start is filled with promise and hope. Life sometimes seems that the darkest moments do precede the most beautiful new beginnings. We need to hold on to God in faith and hope even in challenging times. The prophet Isaiah said, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light and those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. There's something special uh, about the dawn. The sun seems to climb over the horizons with open arms inviting us to share in the new opportunities that that day brings forth. Every day, every dawn puts 
the things of yesterday in the past and allows us to begin afresh. The Bible uses this imagery of the dawn to communicate the reality of new beginnings. The psalmist teaches us that each new day should be a source of rejoicing for it is a day that the Lord has made we should rejoice and be glad in it. And Jeremiah tells us that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Each day is the perpetual promise of new beginnings. It's a new opportunity to turn the disappointments of our lives into a new direction. We can all identify with um, failures of life, bad decisions, bad relationships, unfortunate circumstances, but God gives us a continual opportunity to start life afresh every day and put the past in our past. God, our God, is the God of new beginnings, the God of new life, the God of forgiveness. He is the God who covers our yesterdays with his grace. He is the God who graciously covers our tomorrow with every dawn, with every new dawn he gives us. Every sunrise beckons to us. Turn your life away from yourself and to your maker who loves you. Of course, this imagery symbolises also new beginnings for us by talking and showing us that God has a new beginning for this, our world. As creation grows at the dawn of the age to come, creation itself will be made new. Peter says, as we await the arrival of a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So God speaks of a rising sun because it is way of telling us he's bringing wonderful newness into this fallen world, a newness that will make everything perfect. God opens a new day to us as he brings us into a new life in Jesus Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. God has dawned a new life in our darkness and along with all creation, when the dawn of the age to come arrives, we will come into the fullness of what we were always meant to be. On that day... God will make us and this world beautiful again with a beauty we cannot now imagine. Therefore, we are now to see our lives as a a journey in which God is remaking and refashioning our image or, as Paul puts it, making us conform to the image of Christ. We are to see ourselves as new creations that God is truly in the process of making new and we understand that God uses the remainder of our lives 
in that moulding process, which can sometimes be painful. Can we pray? Gracious and loving God, as the Golden Grove Uniting Church, we lift our hearts to you in this moment of new beginnings. Grant us the wisdom to reflect, the courage to release and the unwavering faith to embrace the unknown. May your guiding light illuminate our path as we journey together in faith and unity. Amen.